Hi, I'm Yolanda and this is Speak On. Today we're covering a much requested topic, particularly based on the disruption caused by the past few years. As it's the start-ish of a new year, we're talking about finances and I'm joined by award-winning financial journalist and editor of The Money Edit, Kalpana Fitzpatrick. She also writes money columns for several women's magazines and is passionate about helping people be better with their money, save more and be smart spenders. And let's face it, she's exactly the kind of person I need to speak to right now because after spending barely anything in 2020, I went a little bit mad in 2021 and I need to rein it in. Welcome, Kalpana. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you very much. It's great to be on here. Thank you so much for joining us. First of all, how did you get into writing about money? Um, totally by accident let's face it <laughs> um, so like I started my journalism career in finance at the Financial Times group where I was writing about pensions and at the time I just wanted to be a journalist and I thought I'll try anything and ended up in finance loved it and you know that's it it's been going on since then. Okay brilliant so when you actually started training to be a journalist and when you got into it what did you hope to write about at that point what do you think you were going to write about? Uh, do you know what I was really very much at the time it was very much focused on just being a journalist and just learning it's a huge learning curve I started in a different kind of financial journalism at the time I was writing about pensions and um, investments so it was a um, quite heavy heavy topics yeah. um I was definitely thrown in at the deep end, but, you know, as I say, it's the best place to be when you start out as a rookie anyway. So um, over the years, I really start, loved writing about um, and just, you know, personal finance and mm-hmm. doing more to help everyday people. And I think, you know, I'm definitely in the right place because that's what I really, really love doing now is just um, helping people be better with their money and make smart choices. Yeah, absolutely. And let's face it, it's something we absolutely need. I know that the... I think there well there are very few people unless you came up with a really good idea during uh, like lockdown or you were had shares in Zoom or something like that on the whole the past few years have been so disruptive financially you know with people having to take time off work some people losing their jobs you know there's just like everything is a bit crazy right now what is the one thing you think we should learn about finances and money that a lot of people don't know I know that's quite a broad question but is there something you think okay, everyone would benefit from knowing this one thing. Yeah, well, do you know what the first thing I would say is I think everyone should stop telling themselves they're bad with money. I hear that so many times. Everyone says to me, I'm so bad with money. And you know what? They just bury their head in the sand and forget about it. But I think the the main thing is just really always know your situation. So know what's in your bank account, know what your debts are, know what you owe. You know, just really have a good snapshot of your finances do not bury your head in the sand um, because I think that's the worst thing. I, I know people that don't even check in their current account because it's that fear. It's like, oh, I'm not going to check my current account. I'd rather not. But actually, you know, you should just check it daily. You've got apps nowadays. Just dip into it and see because it's just, you know, being mindful of your finances, really. And I think that's the key message is do not bury your head in the sand no matter what your situation is. Okay, that's a really good one, because I've done that myself several times, uh, especially when I was younger. And then there was a point where I was like, okay, why am I doing that? Because that's not helping me. It's not helping anyone. And it was only at that point that I started to become, I don't, I was about to say better with money, because like you said, I wasn't bad with money. I was just burying my head in the sand. But then I just became aware of it and then was able to actually focus on it and do something about it, essentially. Exactly. And if you've got, you know, your your current account, it will have an app, your banking app. If you Mm -hmm. haven't downloaded it, 
just download it on your phone because actually it does make it easier to check your current account and it's got loads of tools on there like you get spending alerts every time you buy something you get a little ping that tells you you've bought something and that's you know it's just just that mindfulness about uh, money generally but there's no point saying oh, I have no idea what's in my current account I dare not look that doesn't work nowadays right. I think you do need to look so just keep it easy for yourself mm-hmm. put download the app I'd say download the app yeah absolutely and I, I use things like um plum money hub those kind of things that actually kind of give you breakdowns because I, I the, where I bank they don't give you the venue just started doing that on the app and the app's still not quite there yet where they can give you a breakdown of what you're spending across different areas and I found things like plum money hub and those kind of apps are really helpful for saying okay Yolanda there might be too much delivery yeah, yeah absolutely so if your banking app now all the banks are different some are a little bit behind the curve than others some are you know sort of catching up some launching new initiatives there are apps, and you've, you've just mentioned some as well, like there's Money Dashboard, for example, Plum, Emma, there's, there's loads. And um, yeah, they give you a snapshot of your spending and you can connect all your bank accounts. So if you've got several accounts or credit cards, et cetera, you can see where your spending is in it. And it also tells you where you're spending. So if you can see actually, you know, you spent probably a bit too much on entertainment or too much on fashion. And, you, you, and if you feel like, you know, you can rein back on some of that spending and you want to, then it's just that snapshot vision and a lot of people find that really useful because another thing a lot of people say to me is I don't actually know where my money goes and I'm I you know I feel really skint at the end of the month and they have no idea what they spent on so this this actually tells you where your money has gone so that that is certainly very very useful and also I would say that probably think about where you bank as well if you know if your bank isn't providing you with the tools that you need there are so many types of banks out there there's you've got the challenger banks so there's some of the newer ones like monzo and starling which actually do that and they are you know proper banks they're just digital banks mm-hmm. so if you open an account when you were 18 and you haven't switched since then just have a look at what else is around you don't necessarily have to close your existing account but you know think oh actually you know I really like what that bank's offering me and it suits my needs and it could be that they just have a free overdraft facility but if you're always going into overdraft and paying charges then why not you know have an account that actually serves your needs and Mm -hmm. or you know it's like the technology behind it as well like the tools that you've mentioned if that's easier for you use that so have a look around as well and you know if you haven't changed banks since you were 18 then maybe it is time to switch bank yeah okay I feel seen by that statement um (laughs) I've had my bank since I was uh 16 years old I've banked in the same place but then I do have accounts other places that I use for different things but that only happened actually that time when I was like I really need to look at my finances and then now I have things like a challenger bank account so and that I use that for that is for transport that's for something specific so that's how I've kind of broken it down to help myself a little bit I mean don't get me wrong I still spend way too much money um (laughs) (laughs) yeah and I do need to rein it in but it's uh good to see it what is the most commonly asked question you get around finances how can I get rich (laughs) I get asked that I didn't even think about that (laughs) I do oh well maybe you're not the one but um, I do get asked that so many times what can you tell me that's going to make me rich I'm like "Mm, well I can actually tell you a few things but um, I wouldn't say you know rich in depends what you did you know what is rich to you sort of yeah exactly is it like comfortable or Kardashian Uh, yeah yeah exactly I do get asked that a lot one of the things I think a lot of people expect is like a quick fix like I want a quick fix and when it comes to your finances there isn't necessarily a quick fix okay so there are things that you need to do there are things that you need to not do and the things you know again the mindfulness really does come into it is about how you think about things as well has to change so yeah you need to take like a you know 
a bigger picture that you know it, there is a bigger picture to it um you can't just do that one thing and say right that's going to sort me out if you know what I mean and what's your stock answer like you're like well, well what tips um, do you give people <laughs> I won't say it's the magic answer um, yeah. it's a very very long answer but I'll <laughs> I think one the thing that I mentioned obviously is know where you stand um know what situation your finances are in and that's very very important and that includes if you've got debts you need to know exactly what they are what you're paying on them as well people yeah. have credit card debts and like no idea what it's costing them you need to know those numbers okay so those are the short term stuff so you know banking with the right bank knowing what your debts are knowing what's in your bank where money come where's you know money going where it's coming in from etc getting that balance right long term it's got to be about investing and yeah. building that financial resilience and um, financial security for your future. So that's where investing comes in. And I can talk a bit more about that as well. And that is really important. So one thing I, I get quite frustrated about is when people focus on saving. We've all heard the statement, stop buying lattes. OK, if you want to buy a latte, buy a latte. OK, mm-hmm. it's, that is not going to make you, and I'll say rich inverted commas. OK, so we're, we're saving two pounds here and there. But that, that isn't to me that isn't you know building up that future savings pot that's not going to get you there what you yeah. need to do is have a more of a long-term plan and start thinking about investing money and building that future wealth so to put it so yeah really so the first point is know where you stand sort everything out um have some savings for emergencies etc have a strong budget and then think about investing for your long-term future mm-hmm. It's a bit of a mixed up answer, but, you know, there are steps to it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. And in terms of like when people are, you were saying you have savings for emergencies, what's a minimum that obviously this is all dependent on people's situations. What's the minimum people should attempt to have for, I don't know, contingencies, emergencies? Yeah. So um, you could call it a buffer plan, emergency plan, slush fund, whatever you want to call it. So Mm -hmm. this is money that you should have into an easy to access account. Mm -hmm. And it should be ideally six months worth of income. And, you know, it can be whatever you like, just put money into it and say, this is my emergency savings pot and I'm putting money into it every month and set up a direct debit for that. Don't try and do it at the end of the month, set up a direct debit at the start of the month, let it go in, forget about it try and get get to that six months worth and that will put you in a good position so okay so covid has taught us so much one of the things it has taught us is unexpected things can happen and your finances you know can be strained so this is going to prepare you let's say maybe for the next big thing hopefully not the next big thing but you know what i mean um yeah but also if your car breaks down or your boiler breaks down or you know you've been made redundant or you need a bit of a buffer fund and you could just dip into that and think you know I'm okay for the next six months yeah make it a year's worth if you want but Mm. six months is a good number I'd say yeah start working towards that and prioritize that no matter what whatever you can afford so when you do any kind of budgeting and so that might be like looking at what money's coming in what's going out um how much you can dedicate to savings etc yes that might mean making a few cutbacks but you want to get to a stage where actually you know, you've budgeted so well. So you've got some money that goes into savings, some money that's for you to enjoy your latte, your clothes, whatever you want. Um, and there's some money that you just use for bills, etc. And as I've said, bad things do happen. Yeah, absolutely. It's so it's it's essential to have, isn't it? I think genuinely the only way I kind of got through some of the yeah. of lockdown was because I had luck luckily, my God, and uncharacteristically been 
been responsible enough to put some money aside and I was like oh my god thank god (laughs) because yeah otherwise I would have been screwed it's Mm. so 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 important don't don't underestimate the importance of it Mm. just put it away 10 20 pounds whatever you can afford start small build it up etc so definitely do it yeah absolutely I actually again talking about plum again so it's in my mind because of this I got into using it uh like last year just just doing you know when they kind of do like they they top top things up or they round it off round it and up ju- yeah. yeah and just by doing round it up and a few of the other fun challenges I've actually ended up saving stuff and because it's going out I'm not even necessarily noticing it's going out because it's such small such nominal amounts and then I look at it and I'm like oh that's really good and I haven't touched it as well and it's exactly. like I'm just ignoring it and pretending it's not there it's it's emergency use or whatever else so it's just a fun yep. challenge for myself it's and the, the roundup thing is actually quite interesting because when people say to me I wish I could save I don't actually have any savings I bet you you can find some savings and the roundup is really good because it automatically rounds up to the nearest pound and puts it into a savings account for you some mm. bank accounts do that as well by the way um, yeah. so again it depends where you bank yeah um, there's another app called chip that does for that for you as well so there's quite you know a few out there mm. um and so many people said to me oh I've I'm actually surprised at how much I've been able to save. Now, the important thing, however, I would say, keep your emergency savings away from your spending account, your current account. Keep it yes. in a totally different account because you don't want to know it's there. And it, your emergency, by the way, isn't, I need those pair of shoes. Yeah. So, okay, so your emergency is definitely, it's got to be a genuine emergency mm-hmm. that's impacted your finances. Or, yeah. you know, and even like a boiler breaking down actually is quite an expensive thing. So, yes. um, and to try and pay for that, might be quite difficult but you think actually you know I've got something for that so when it comes to assessing our finances so let's say it's like okay so new year I want to start doing this where do I start and how do I start what is the first absolute first thing I should do create some kind of a budget now I'm not one of those people that's going to tell you to go and start looking at all your bank accounts and your receipts and dwell on what you've done let's just look forward there's this rule that I've come across and it's, it's been around. Um, it's called the 20, 30, 50 rule. Okay. Mm-hmm. You can mix it up. The idea is that you use 50% of your income on your essential spending. So that's your bills, travel to work, et cetera. When you do travel to work, that is. You put 20% into savings, mm-hmm. right? So that's 20% of your income. And then you use your 30% and that is your spending money on whatever you want to spend. So this means when you go out and spend money, um, whatever it is, you know, loads of makeup, going out with mates, etc. Then that you don't have to feel guilty about it because you budgeted for it. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and you can say, actually, this is coming out from my, my, my spending money that I'm allowed. Because I think the thing about being good with money isn't about denying yourself about the things that you want it isn't like I really want that but I can't have it because I should be good with money that's not good with money okay mm-hmm. it's about budgeting carefully so that when you do get the things that you want you it's just part of your budget basically mm-hmm. so I don't know if you've come across money helper which is a government um, run website and yeah. they have a budgeting tool on there citizens advice has a budgeting tool on there use those tools go on there and it really helps you figure out how much your your cost of living is essentially yeah this they have so many different resources on there I was speaking to someone the other day actually was planning a podcast and they were talking about the fact they even have one on there where you can calculate the cost of the first year of having a child and things like that it's just got such good resources and I'm like that's so so interesting because there are things that people do need to factor in when they want to make big life choices or big life changes exactly I think they even do like a 
couch to financial fitness challenge as well oh, wow. like the catch 5k so yeah um yeah so you could just set up your challenges and every week you achieve something and that's really really useful as well so if you're struggling to kind of figure out what's what and just have a look at it and have a look at loads of stuff in there actually that you will all find really really useful yeah and so it, like you've mentioned many money helper we've mentioned a few different apps what other guides or books or other tools are there available to help people start being more like financially responsible yeah social media i will mention some money books in a minute but um social media is full of people as well that talk about finances however yes. i will say take some of that with a pinch of salt be careful who you follow because some people are re- leading people down the wrong path. So, okay. you know, just try to look at the credentials that people have, and you know, what are they telling you? Are they telling you to they're telling you to buy a stock in a company? Probably not the right thing to do because you should never invest with the reliance of a stock of one company. That's not how you do it, especially if you're starting out. If you're following people on social media, they're always making you buy things, or you know the the posts are full of affiliate links, then just be careful about that because they're actually plugging something because they're getting something from it rather yeah. than genuinely trying to help you, if you see what I mean. So mm-hmm. books, um, there's a great book by a friend of mine, Laura Waitley. It's just called Money. I would say have a look at that because it's just all your basics about money. And then if just, you know, online, like I said, Money Helper, Citizen's Advice. If you're worried about debt, there's um, Step Change has a lot of resources on there and you can also go there for help as well um I think you could do like an online chat that's quite some people find quite handy as well okay. so yeah um there are so many resources and I would say do not overlook the uh, money pages in newspapers websites as well so obviously we've got the money edit that I edit but they even the newspapers they all have a money section now a lot of people say they're quite scared of the money sections of the newspapers but actually they are really really useful and one of the things about finance is people are so distant from it so disinterested just start start being a bit little bit interested if you're serious about getting your finances in order and building financial resilience for the future I think that's a really important message as well it's not just about the now and then sometimes it's just good to be in the know Mm. Um, and it comes down to that message that I was saying earlier you can't bury your head in the sand about this yeah you really can't and so We've talked about kind of how to get started. So what is the first step to taking control of your finances if you are in debt? So let's say people have done it, they've looked at it and they they were like, okay, no more burying my head in the sand. Mm -hmm. And the number just, you know, obviously that can be so terrifying for people to look at that number and think, oh crap, what do I do now? So Mm -hmm. what is the first step for those people? Right. The first step, as I would say, is make a list of all your debts. You need to know what they are. You need to know exactly what the interest in that on that is. And I would also like to just uh, mention, especially if you've gone into buy now, pay later. This is where you buy something and then it gives you a few months to pay it off. But actually, some people fall into the trap of not being able to pay it off. And interest is that one that is quite high. One, just don't use it. Second, if you've got that as well, don't forget that. Um, store cards, credit cards, any loans everything okay write it down then next do it write down the percentage so you might be able to bring some of those together so like for example um if you've got a really high interest rate on a credit card and you've got savings then you should probably use your savings to pay off that debt because actually the interest on that savings is probably not even one percent but your credit card debt might be costing you 30 percent 
Mm. Uh, so just random numbers, okay? So it's just making better use of that money that you do have. So if you have got savings, use that to pay off your debt and start paying off your expensive debt as much as you can. Um, obviously, always, always pay a minimum, but if you've got expensive, you know, if one credit card costs you 30% and the other one's costing you 15%, then you want to try and pay off that 30% off as much as possible. If you've got a good credit score and you can get a 0% balance transfer deal, then that's good because that means you can shift all your credit card debt onto that card and then you can pay off just the minimum without the interest charges. But you do need a good credit score to probably get that top deal. So yeah. um, now if you're really, really struggling with debt, one thing I would say is talk to someone about it mm-hmm. because... I think we all grow up with the fact that we think that being in debt is shame. Mm-hmm. Um, we shouldn't feel ashamed about it. We should talk to someone about it. It can be friend, family. And if you don't want to talk to a friend or family, national deadline, you can call up. You can call up Step Change and ask for advice. Um, like I said, Step Change has a little chat feature. So you don't actually even, if you don't feel like speaking to anyone, um, you don't have to. And then my key message is that debt is never as bad as you think it is okay so if you think oh gosh this is really bad um i'm not going to get out of this you you can because actually speaking to some of these debt change um, charities if they can see that you know you are in serious debt there are things that they can do to help you so they might talk to your creditors and um ask them to pause payment or waive the interest charges etc or come up with some sort of repayment plan that works for you there are things that they can do. And obviously it's also worth just calling up your bank and tell them that your situation, just say, I'm really struggling to pay this. What can you do to help me? See if they can help you as well. It all comes down to just talk to someone. And, you know, we hear of so many horror stories of um, people going into debt and not talking to someone about it. And mm-hmm. I just think that's really got to be the main thing is open up and have that conversation with someone because honestly, the way it takes off your shoulders is so good and but yeah so I think yeah talk about it get help but also just know exactly what your situation is yeah things are never as bad as they may seem yeah absolutely and you made a really good point about taking the weight off your shoulders because think about the um the mental health implications of keeping that in keeping that into yourself and being frightened of it and then facing that alone and knowing that there are places that you can call and it doesn't have to be like you said I mean you made such a good point we're brought up to think that we should feel shame for being in this in like in kind of any kind of dire financial situation or having debt but essentially we are in we live in a society that is kind of we're living in a capitalist society that's kind of constructed to help us get there really really easily so it's not something you should be anyone should be ashamed of because let's face it you know back in the day you could buy a house for a little bit and it was a certain percentage of how much you earned now the cost of a house has gone up but the cost of living has gone up but the cost of how much how much we get paid has not risen with that so it's absolutely it's the easiest thing in the world actually to get into any kind of debt and let's face it with with everything that's happened over the past two years we've also know that you know there but what's what's that saying but there for the grace of god go i kind of thing it really is it can be one month out of work or x amount of weeks out of work is genuinely might what might be the line between you being okay to being in like in debt or kind of in a precarious financial situation so exactly. I think, yeah, people should really try to, if they can, separate themselves from the shame. And it's like, you know what? It's kind of, it's not your fault. It's yeah. society's fault. It's capitalism, yeah. essentially, isn't it? You know, also, I think, um, you know, speak to your friends about money. Like, mm. 
money is such a taboo subject like you know we sit at the dinner table we'll talk about anything but we won't talk about our money you don't necessarily need to tell people what you earn if you don't feel comfortable about it but you could talk about oh, did you get bonus do you pay into a pension you know what bank do you use these are conversations that are actually quite important and mm. you know you, you'd be amazed at just like what you can just pick up from conversations from your friends and you just so one thing I recently spoke to my friend about unfortunately my friends can't escape conversations about money so um because I'm always talking to him about it yeah but she's planning a holiday and like I spoke to her and she said oh you know where shall I do my currency exchange and I'm like well, no, no 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 one takes like physical currency and also you just need a, a card she goes oh yeah but my bank charges me and she had no idea actually there yeah. are because every most well, I say every but most banks will charge you some sort of um, foreign exchange charge mm-hmm. so when you pay with your card they'll slap on like three percent which really adds up okay Mm. but she had no idea that you can get these specific money cards or there are specific banks that have no currency charges at all when you um, spend abroad and she's like oh I did not know that so just simple conversations even like that can really help Mm. but also it just makes it just you know if there is a problem then you might feel a bit more comfortable approaching a friend as well because you've yeah. spoken about money in the past so um yeah make it next in the conversation mm. but not too much because you might get chopped to the table yeah. but you know <laughs> but yeah like you know just open up the conversation yeah absolutely it makes perfect sense like you said we talk about so many other things and we talk about things that are affecting us but because of that shame element of it I can imagine people talking about all the other things that are affecting them and then they won't say anything about that at all and then we'll still sit there with that weight on their shoulders and having those conversations is really helpful like things around pensions me and my friends have been talking recently about even things like nfts crypto just things like that just demystifying anything around finance investment we when anybody any of us have bought property or anything like that we talk through the process quite extensively and because we're all learning about it as well and it's really interesting to learn about that and actually I learned about like preloaded cards years ago at this point but preloaded cards because my friend travels a lot and she said oh yeah if you do a preloaded card or if you go with this bank then I don't get charged for taking out money abroad which is essential because I have to work abroad so and I was like well that's interesting to know and then learn that for next time so it is vital to have these conversations definitely I mean we give tips on so many things we learn from having all these conversations but this we're too quiet about absolutely and you know what another thing you could do with a friend is if you wanted to do a savings challenge with them or I always say to people forget about doing dry January for example try and do a no spend January where obviously you pay your bills and you eat yeah. but you know you just tell yourself I'm just not going to spend anything and that can you could do that with a friend you could do that any month or any week and say I'm doing this do that with me maybe yeah um, there are so many things that you can do but I think some people think that talking to your friends about money is just all about revealing your income and some people don't feel comfortable about that and that's Mm. fine um but it doesn't have to be about that it could just be about sharing tips and even doing challenges together if you wanted to yeah absolutely and uh, uh, this has got years ago I actually did a a challenge with some of my other friends because we was when since moving to London almost 20 years ago every time you move you just have too much stuff so I moved here with too much stuff then every time I've moved I've kind of shared bits and bobs going along selling stuff on Gumtree eBay all that kind of fun stuff but then I have an extraordinary amount of clothes as well and shoes because I sew I don't really have to get rid of much stuff I can fix it I can change things so I end up with like a ton of clothes and I just thought okay this my wardrobe might be too big because it's becoming a pain to move around with so my friend said that she spends way too much money on clothes this was I think around 2011 we had a challenge of we couldn't buy anything new we had to wear everything we owned in a year 
We're like, no, no, no new things. Everything we owned. And my God, the money we saved. And it was a challenge. So we worked together as well. So we had to set up in different combinations. And we were like, you can't wear anything twice necessarily unless it's in a new combination. And we managed to get through Kalpana, sorry, a shameful amount of days. <laughs> it was insane. Brilliant though, yeah, right? Yeah. So... yeah, but we saved so much money. Yeah. We realized we were shopping every month and then we didn't shop on Oh, I didn't buy anything for around 10 months. Because <laughs> so, yeah. I didn't allow them to get yeah. through my clients. <laughs> I think hopefully the attitude towards that is generally changing as well. Um, yeah. I think um, people are a lot more ethical and want to be a bit more green nowadays. So they yes. don't want to add um, anything to anything that might damage the environment. So Absolutely. People are actually trying to make things last or they're thinking a bit more ethically when they buy things. I think actually, you know, is this just going to go in the dump yard at some point or am I actually yeah. going... So, you know, the mending things, the upcycling things, selling things. So mm-hmm. I, I actually sell quite a few things on a um, vintage app because my children grow out of clothes, they're, you know, they're little growing fast. So sometimes I sell things on that. It's just quite useful. It just means things are being recycled. And I think we yeah. should all have that sort of mindset. It's not just that it just helps the planet and your bank balance. So yeah, absolutely. It's, it's like it's sustainable saving. <laughs> exactly and that's actually such a that can be a whole different podcast and you know people are thinking that way as well thinking what yeah. more can I do to help the planet and I think lockdown has really helped people think like that as well and the brands yeah. that they buy from and yeah so I think we've yeah. all kind of um, been thinking a bit differently yeah absolutely and so you talked before about investments what investment options I mean sorry this is how long is a piece of string what investment investment options are there for our money what are the easiest most accessible investment options for people I could go into a very long one on this Um, just to keep it simple I think one of the things that stops people from investing is one they they just don't know where to start okay or they don't really or they it's just misunderstood sometimes people say to me I've invested and actually all they've done is put money into a bank account or they've put money into bitcoins. Um, High risk, you're more likely to lose your money than you are to make money. So the sensible approach to investing is, and by the way, this isn't financial advice, but um, it's just, it's information. So if you're looking to invest, go into investing into funds. So this is like a basket of companies. So you're never exposed to just one, one company because if that company does badly, your money, you know, you might not necessarily lose it, but if you put in a thousand pounds and it goes down by 20%, you've got 800. And so, you know, it's, you want to have exposure to loads of different companies and the funds allow you to do that. Mm. Now, one of the easiest ways to do it is like, you might think, well, I still don't know enough about it. I don't know where to start. Well, the good thing is there are now apps that let you invest with ease, let you start with one pound if you want, like Moneybox just rounds up your loose change and invests it for you. All you have to do is go on and tell them, they take you through a process of questions, say what your goals are, what your attitude to risk is. They'll ask you questions, they're just multiple choice, you answer them and eventually they'll say, okay, we'll invest your money mm-hmm. and they'll pick the funds for you. You don't have to do, you don't, all you have to do is pay in the minimum amount and then maybe say you want to pay in that minimum amount every month, set up a direct debit. You can, I think it can be ad hoc as well. And some, they all have different requirements. Some are just a pound, some are 25 pound minimum, some are 500 pound lump sum. So just read what suits you. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And then you you can just tap in and have a look at your investments. I don't recommend that you look at it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and another important thing is that investing is for your future. So you don't invest for money that you think you might use. You don't invest your emergency savings, for example, or um, you know, if you're saving for something like a holiday, you don't necessarily invest that, you know, especially if you plan to go on holiday next year. It's yeah. money that you plan to use in the 
just building your, for your future wealth, okay? So in five years minimum, you should look to invest for five years at least, mm-hmm. um, 10 years ideally, and if not longer. So yeah. it is literally... Now, the good thing about investments is that well, you also benefit from com- what's known as compound interest. So that's interest on interest. So you're constantly making money on top of money you've already made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and another thing I would say, investments can go up and down and that's pretty normal like I know when the pandemic hit my investments went down and you know but that's okay it's normal it will go up again and that's why you invest for like a few years because eventually you just see the upside and historically that's what investments do they just go on the upside and you will do a lot better than putting money in the cash savings because as you know interest rates are low mm-hmm. inflation is at 5.1 percent that's the cost of living which is yeah. very high and you need to and so the importance of investing is when you invest, when you save money, you want to earn an interest that's higher than the rate of inflation. You're not going to find 5.1% in any bank account paying interest at the moment. So your yeah. investments, so you need to put your money somewhere where that's going to grow at a faster rate. So investments allow you to do that. Yeah. And a final thing I would say is that you might think, well, no, you know, it's safer in cash, but it's actually not because actually you're losing purchasing power mm-hmm. uh, because the value of your money is going down because of inflation you're not ca- keeping up with um, inflation so that's again that's important as well so um so it's just as risky by not investing yeah um so that's a bit of a long story we could do a whole new podcast yeah. on um i'm definitely in... going to get back in for that because i'm like i have well, so many we, questions we, we, <laughs> we, 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 we'll definitely yeah. will um i'll drop you an email about that but um yeah so there's just so much more to say and but i would say um get interested in it but do it the right way so yeah another thing I've noticed and this is what people ask me a lot about as well is like where should I go for my bitcoins but if you've never invested mm. probably you don't want to put your money into bitcoins okay you okay you might put a small amount if, if you really want to look at it but what I'm saying if you're serious about just growing your money funds are the way to go mm. and if you haven't used your ISA put it in an ISA because actually that means you don't pay any tax on your returns you can yeah government gives you up to 20,000 in an invest you can put it in investment or cash but obviously for investments it's it's a really good deal and it just means you don't have to pay any tax on it yeah absolutely yeah but I mean we're learning about this now um as adults and I feel like people are I mean we're, we're striving to be more financially literate but how do we teach children about how to be like how to manage finances and what age should we start that because frankly there's so much stuff I know now I wish I knew when I was much younger, I would have handled everything differently. Like I wait, I think I was like 28 or 29 when I started thinking, okay, let me sort myself out. My gosh, I would have liked to have started sooner. When should we work with kids on this? Yeah, sure. So as young as possible, you know, you can when they're about four, maybe you can just play, play with money. I think there was some research done and it shows that children start building attitudes around money from around age seven. Mm-hmm. So it is pretty much up to the parents to start talking about money as soon as possible start start as young as four you know play shops and you know talk about money I think talking is really important I think for me it's just always talking about money don't make it that 
taboo subject. Unfortunately, my children do not escape the conversations about money either, just like <laughs> friends. Um, so they do ask me questions, what's a pension? And I'm like, oh, yeah, OK. And, and I mean, you know, it doesn't matter if they're not interested. The point is we talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, don't think of it as a maths lesson. I think the main thing is be open about money. So play little games, talk about money, talk about the cost of things. One thing I personally don't do with my children is I don't just shout at them and say, we can't afford that. No, that, yeah. do you know, like, that gives to me, it just says, oh, we can't afford this. I don't want them to grow up and think, in fact, I want them to think about what the cost of something is. Yes. How long am I have to work to do that? Or how much mm. would I need in my savings? And do I want to use all my savings on that? Is it worth it? Ask the questions around things that they want to buy rather than just being told, mm. no, you can't have it end of story and because it's too expensive that's not the right message for me Mm -hmm. um everyone finds their own way of what suits them but I think just don't make it a taboo subject because I think we all grew up with that and being told it's rude to talk about money you don't ask that question and actually it's okay to ask the questions and you should tell them you know but I think a lot of parents tell me oh I'm not good with money myself what shall I tell them I don't have anything to tell them but you don't have to be like an expert anything like that they don't need to know the ins and outs but what they need to know is that that money you know is okay to talk about Mm -hmm. and that's fine If if you're saving for your children show them like what you're doing like I have junior ISIS for mine I'll sometimes show it to you know them online and just say oh this is what it is no one goes into a bank these days but have a visit to the bank you know have a see you know tell them what a bank is I did some filming once with a whole load of little children and it, they all had to answer where does money come from and there's so many strange answers so <laughs> just even telling them that where does money come from you know it's not from the back garden it doesn't come from the queen and <laughs> you know etc um explain the simple things and like I said don't stress about it just the main thing is it's an open conversation in the household and they will build good habits depending on how how you talk about money I'd say yeah like I know my generation we just really learn not to talk about not to question but I know younger generations are better at talking about it but it's also why they're able to just do things like talk about their wages and talk about their salaries and then get better salaries even that conversations around work all those kind of things are can massively improve your life and improve what you're asking for god I wish I discussed my salary when I was younger because I wouldn't I screwed myself over by not doing that as well so it would have been a great conversation Mm. to have and know that I could talk about it freely like that and see where there are any inequities etc so I can challenge them and get paid better well, absolutely. So obviously what I mentioned was like obviously younger ones and as they get older, teach them to question things, give them mm-hmm. their own, talk to them about what you earn, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've got debts, tell them. I'm not saying that you should worry your children or anything like mm-hmm. that, but, you know, if you've got like a few concerns, just have an honest conversation with them. Don't sort of say, no, we're not going to talk about that. It's rude or, you know, it's too embarrassing. Don't do that because then they might grow up to think it's too embarrassing um, or it's rude to talk about that. And actually it's okay. Yeah. I mean, there is no financial education in school. Do you think it's something that should be incorporated into school or do you think that is something that should be the responsibility of parents solely? I think financial education starts at home. Without a doubt, you should start at home because you want it to start as young as possible. You know, parents are the best teachers when it comes to your finances and never underestimate how much kids learn from parents and grandparents, actually. You know, sometimes in my in the Indian culture, for example, it's quite normal to give cash as a gift and when my children get it and I know it's one of my sons he was 
when he was writing Christmas cards, he was putting pound coins in some of his friends' cards. And I thought, he's learned a habit. I thought, that's very sweet of oh, you. That's so sweet. Like, it is very sweet. Um, yeah. And he's like, I kind of run out. And I was like, well, how much have you put? But the point is that, you know, it was a habit that he's picked up. So kids do learn from, I know it's very yeah. sweet. Um, kids do learn from, from parents, okay? Mm-hmm. But obviously, I think 100% there should be financial um, education in schools. Mm-hmm. It, there is some from a certain age, but it's very limited. There are a lot of initiatives out there promoting financial education, doing a lot more to help people be educated. Financial companies are themselves doing a lot. Like they have like really, really good blogs on their sites. Media is doing a lot. You've got loads of journalists out there promoting financial literacy. I know like content that I write, we're not just doing news, but we are also doing so much to educate people as much as like telling them about things that they really need to know about, you know, how to start budgeting, how to save for pension, why you need to save for pension. All mm-hmm. those resources are online. Yes, there are a lot of people out there giving a lot of information, but who are they? What are their credentials? I think be careful about that. And I can't say that enough. And I think schools should do more. But yeah. unfortunately, um, at the moment, it's been left to the industry and the media to to educate people and we're doing a really good job so yeah. <laughs> um really really good job uh, and there is like like I said loads of information out there yeah absolutely and I mean like in school it would have been great to learn about all things finance because you know like even though like you said it does start from home it would be good to almost have a suppose almost like an independent source of that information that isn't tied to your own parents or family's attitudes towards money as well based on however they view it or how whatever situation they're in because even things like learning about credit scores one of my friends knew about credit scores when we were in schools and her dad was obsessed with building her credit score he didn't but he didn't they didn't really explain why he just was so he actually as soon as she was in sixth form when when we got, went to college he used to take stuff out like in her name and then pay it off to build build up her credit score and so when we were at uni she just had like like an excellent credit score and that has served her well at a time at a great time in her life so how can we better our credit score and why is it so important sure okay so the first thing is know what your credit score is Mm-hmm. Um, you can check it for free. The main credit reference agencies are Experian, Ex- TransUnion and Experian. I'm sorry, Experian, Equifax and TransUnion. Yeah. Um, so they're the three main credit reference agencies. Mm-hmm. Check with all three because sometimes they hold little bits of different information. And then the next thing to do is also um, see what you can do to improve it. So a lot of people say to me, I don't have a credit card and think they've done a great job. Uh, yes and no because actually it's quite a good idea to get a credit card spend a small amount on it pay it off because that's telling our potential lenders in the future that you are good with borrowing money and you are um, trustworthy and you pay off your you know your money straight away if you're paying rent your rent doesn't always count towards your credit score so if you're always paying on time and you're a good tenant then you can make that work towards your credit score so there's a if you go to like credit ladder, you can use that to help your rent rental payment go towards your credit score because it doesn't otherwise. OK, mm-hmm. and then I think oh, is it Experian, Experian has Experian Boost, which you can use. And that that actually is a good one because it will not just take into your rental payments. But if you have like Netflix and Spotify, I think it takes all those payments into account oh, wow. to help boost your credit score. So it's worth looking at. Yeah. So and why does it matter? It matters because 
if you in the future if you you know going to apply for a mortgage or you're trying to get like a zero percent balance transfer card that i mentioned earlier um you might not get the best deal and that's everything like broadband you could get rejected for a mobile phone contract if you wanted one or if you were trying to buy something on finance if it was like a zero percent finance you might not get that zero percent finance because you've got a bad credit score it's about putting yourself in a stronger position and making sure you're not always paying more than you have to do for things in life so it's really again works for your future needs as well yeah awesome um so when it comes to you know like obviously credit is about how you're living now applying for like you said applying for things in the future mm. but let's kind of project into the future future so mm. how, pensions is again when we were sourcing questions for this so many people asked about pensions so how much money should we aim for to like aim to have when we retire and how can we improve or build our pensions a million dollar question how much do i need um so what you need might not be what i need okay so i think the main thing is if you're working you will be automatically enrolled into a pension fund Mm -hmm. so don't turn around and say actually i don't want it you do want it okay and because the good thing about workplace pension is when you pay in your employer pays in so think of that as free money from them if you don't pay in you don't get that money okay so that's a really good way to build your pension you'll be paying the minimum but if you can increase it even if it's one percent more paying more because then your employer might match that you can ask them how much will they match up to most employers will match some don't or some have a cap it just depends on your employer but you know if they if they say you paying 10% and they'll pay in 10%, great, do it if you can do it, okay? You have to obviously work out what's affordable to you. Yeah. Um, and I think also pensions are invested. So they're not just going into a little pot and then you don't just get it back like, later on in life. It's actually growing. So the, the important thing is start as young as possible. So people always say to me, oh, I'm in my 20s. I don't need to worry about pensions. And actually, it's the best time to think about pensions. Yeah. Because it's it means your money is starting to grow from a very young age. Do it later on, the same amount won't grow at the same rate because you need it, you know, it's like when you plant a seed in the garden for the longer you leave it, the more it's going to grow. Okay. So mm-hmm. and the later you plant it, the smaller the growth, if that makes sense. Um, so if you try and visualize it. So yeah, start as young as possible, paying as much as you can, ask your employer um, to what will they match you to. If you're self-employed, don't overlook your pension. So many, I think there's over 60% of self-employed people do not have Mate, a pension. I did that for a hot minute and I had to sort myself out because I was oh, like- Oh, you need a pension. Every, you, yeah, yeah, I had to sort it out, it was insane. Yeah, <laughs> good. Well done for sorting it out, okay? Yeah. So you don't get the employer contributions, but you still get tax relief from the government. So yeah. it's still important to do. Mm. There are several pension companies you can go to for self-employed pensions. Mm-hmm. Some require you to pay in X amount per month. I think something like Nest, which is run by the government, you can pay, pay in whenever you can. So if your income is um, varied, then that might suit you. I've written quite a few articles around self-employed pensions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the main thing is it's just really important because you might tell yourself, I'm never going to stop working. But you have to remember that we do live a lot longer than we used to. Yes. Um, (laughs) Living longer is a thing. and It's a good thing, I think. But it also means we need more money for old age. But also you you might say I'm going to work forever, but you don't really know what life's going to throw at you. Yeah. Um, So you might say you want to work forever, but that might not actually be possible. Um, 
try and put yourself I mean far too many people also think that not do they don't want to start young they just think the state will provide for them you might not get a state pension by the time you retire mm-hmm. I might not get a state pension by the time I retire and if we I really do, don't know what the government's going to do to us and also it's not much it's yeah. not much <laughs> so uh, it's about hundred and something a week and it's not enough to pay your bills and mm-hmm. I mean eat eat <laughs> yeah live so and, and your question about how much do I need I think what's really important is to work out what you want you might not know what you want to do in retirement so I'd say you know think about the lifestyle that you want and how much it's it's going to cost you you can you know what sort of lifestyle do you have now and how much of that do you want in older age you know, do you want to be able to go to a nice salon and get your hair cut or are you just happy doing it at the OAP center you know yeah do you want to go out and meet friends do you want to go on holidays it just depends what kind of lifestyle you want to think about how much it's going to cost you mm. um and when you get your pension statement you'll be able to see um there's usually like a projected income and you you know you can see where that's going and keep you know, have a look don't ignore your pension statement it comes once a year and I think the government is working on some sort of online portal where you can have a look at all your pensions Mm -hmm. if you've got pensions from past employers make sure you keep track of them let them know where you're living Mm -hmm. so you don't lose them because there's so many lost pensions out there yeah Um, not just like you know young people move around jobs so many times and because of auto enrollment you might find that you've got loads of little pots you could bring them together if it's worthwhile obviously you have to make sure like you're not losing any guaranteed benefits anywhere I would say just pump away at that pension absolutely well my goodness thank you so so much Kalpana honestly this has been like such (laughs) a great chat no it's not my gosh no it's not enough have a podcast and share stuff with us all the time. I need to know. Oh my goodness. I'm going to now go back, read your entire back catalogue, make all the notes and make every single possible change I can. Thank you. Yeah. So, so good. So much information. And also you talk about it so passionately and so like you're so smiley and cheerful. And I'm like, I am taking everything you're saying. Taking in. notes. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Keep smiling. Yes. yes. Um, well, you know, I really hope it's really useful and like, it, you know, I'd say, you know, follow me on social media. I'm always talking about tips on money, saving, et cetera, on like Instagram quite a lot. And um, yeah, just, um, and if anyone wants to get in touch, ask any questions, I'll try and answer them. Uh, I'm not a financial advisor, so I can't yeah. give- It's information. Pers- it's yeah. all information, but it, I hope it's all like really useful. Like everyone can like, there's something for everyone to think about. But like I said, if you've got any questions, feel anyone can just get in touch. I'm easily contactable. Yeah. And what is your, where can people find you online? Yep, sure. So my Instagram is at Kalpana Fitz, F-I-T-Z. So at Kalpana Fitz. And that's the same with my Twitter as well. Lovely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Speak On. Make sure you like, subscribe and share with your friends, family, co-workers, strangers in the street. To find out more about us, including our upcoming events, head over to Instagram, instagram.com forward slash speakon underscore. Bye.